This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Okay, Luke, back to Luke. Okay, that's all right. We'll soon be done. Okay. (laughs) It's good stuff. It's really good discipline. Uh, When you do this systematic, you have to face the difficult passages as well as the easy passages that every preacher loves to do. Um, But here, I think they're all all awesome ones today. So an easier job for me today. So where are we? So we're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Mark shared last week um, about uh, Jesus praying where he went away from his disciples. And he was basically praying that prayer, you know, if there's any other way of doing this, God, let's do it. But not your will, but mine be done. Um, and he kept going back to the disciples and they kept falling asleep. All right, they'd had a big meal. Um, there was a long preach from Jesus, if you look at John, and uh, feeling warm and cozy maybe, and just kept falling asleep and didn't appreciate and understand the significance of the events that was about to take place, although Jesus was warning them. So we jump in, uh, literally following on it. In fact, start at verse 47 here, Luke 22, 47, and, it begins and, all right? So, and... And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to kiss, drew near to Jesus to kiss him. So when you start the verse with and, you've got to look at the verse before to set the context. Uh, so Jesus speaking in verse 46, I've got it on the same slide here. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking... So Jesus had basically said to them, um, literally, <laughs> pray, pray. And in fact, Jesus had been trying to warn them that there was going to be a sequence of events that would take place, which is not what they were expecting. Right? Um, Mark pointed out to us last week that Jesus said this twice, this idea of pray, pray that you enter not into temptation. If you look at John's Gospel, John's, in John's Gospel there's three chapters devoted to the conversation that went on at the Last Supper. So, and Jesus covered a lot of ground there, okay? And we're going to be looking at, at more than one verse there in, in the course of the message today. Um, but John 14, 1 to 3 says this, Let not your heart be troubled. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. There's a lot of stuff in there about Jesus receiving us. Um, But just focusing on the beginning. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. He's basically warning them. There's trouble ahead. And the thing with let not is that's not something God does for us. 
See, God can't let not. Okay, pastor can't let not. Okay, we have to let not. So it says, let not your heart be troubled. And boy, do we need that as a word today. Okay, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. So that's a word for someone here today. Let not your heart be troubled. You're freaking out. And God is saying to you, let not your heart be troubled. Okay, so this multitude arrives, back at verse 47. So this multitude arrives. Um, how many are there in this multitude? Well, multitude, I know, multitude's many, isn't it? Multitude's a lot. <laughs> so, um, again, again we, loved, we loved John's description. Um, John 18, verse 3 says this, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops... And officers from the chief priests and Pharisees came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. So this word detachment is not used in the other accounts, okay? Um, And it's translated from a Greek word, if I can find it on my notes here. It's somewhere in the midst here. I made the font bigger as well, so I could read my notes. (laughs) I can read them much better this week. Uh, Spira is the Greek word, spira, which can mean a cohort or a large group. So a cohort, I think, can be up to about 600 people. So here we have, I don't know, 12 disciples, maybe some followers in the Garden of Jesus. Up to 600 people are coming, armed to the teeth. All right? So these, these folk were expecting trouble, weren't they? They were expecting trouble. Um, and in fact, maybe that's what Judas is hoping for. Okay? Um, Read on, Dave. Read on. That's much more fun. Okay, so what, what happened before? So, Judas. Um, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever Jesus has been in situations like this before... He'd always just been able to walk out of the midst. Okay, um, you've heard me talk about it. Jesus preached in a synagogue. They literally took him out of the synagogue and went to throw him off a cliff. All right, and he walked through the midst. Now, when I preached on Judas uh, some weeks ago, I talked about why is Judas doing this? Why is Judas betraying Jesus? And I personally think he was just in for the swift buck. Okay, he just he was he was on on the staff. He's in the team. He's one of the twelve. Um, he's the treasurer, and I think he's just stealing out of the money bag. Well, he is stealing out of the money bag. That's what the scripture says. So I think he's just looking for a way to replenish the money money bag. So in Judas's mind, he's just after thirty pieces of silver, um, because Jesus had never laid down, never been in a situation before where he's not walked away from it. Um, so we press on verse 48 but Jesus said to him Judas are you betraying the son of man with a kiss are you betraying the son of man with a kiss incredible isn't that I thought about this and I thought yeah they didn't have social media did they you, you, you couldn't look at YouTube and see Jesus preaching in the, in the synagogue or in the temple so there was no 
pictures of Jesus. So many people wouldn't actually know what Jesus was lo- was lo- looked like. So literally, somebody had to go and point him out. So, and Judas does that with a kiss. Now, it's not unusual to, to greet your rabbi, your, your spiritual teacher, uh, as a disciple with a kiss. And that's what Judas did. But what's the reaction? What's the emotions that are going to be going on in Jesus right now? Okay. I've known this guy for three years. Okay. He's been with me for three years. He's on my staff. He's my treasurer. Uh, I sent him out two by two with the others. He's worked miracles with the other disciples. And now he's betraying me. Okay, so I just want to talk about betrayal for a minute because Jesus knows betrayal. Okay, he felt it here. I don't know if that's relevant for you or maybe it's more for somebody that's listening online. But betrayal is a word that just comes to mind. And betrayal can be by all sorts of people. God knows how you feel, right? God knows the emotions that went on. And Jesus, do you think he felt any different? Uh, Hebrews 4.15 says this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Sympathize with our weaknesses. He felt the same things, okay? Jesus gets you. Jesus understands that and that emotion and I just believe that God wants maybe it's not somebody here maybe it's somebody that's listening online Um, I just really feel that God wants to touch that part of you where you felt betrayed maybe it's by a partner even Um, God won't take the memory away he won't take the memory of the event away but he can heal your heart so I'm just going to pray right now for somebody who's listening Just pray for this person who's listening right now, Lord, and the betrayal that they feel in their heart. And Lord, you feel the same because you were betrayed in the same way. And Lord, right now, I would just pray that you would minister your peace and your grace to that heart that had been betrayed. That it would know and understand that you know and understand. And Lord, I would just pray peace to that hurt, healing to that hurt. And that they would truly know uh, freedom in their lives, being free from the hurt of that betrayal. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Okay, reading on. So when those around him saw what was going to happen, so it's pretty obvious, I guess. They're surrounded by these people that are armed to the teeth. Um, Okay, carrying guns and stuff, obviously clubs and stuff like that they're carrying but there's a lot of them right? Um, his disciples start to twig this is not going to be like it was in other places and in verse 49 it says this when those around him saw that what was going to happen they said to him Lord shall we strike with the sword now we don't see an answer here when we get to verse 50 we don't know what he said we assume not (laughs) And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. That's detail for you, right? Uh, (laughs) It's the right ear, Dave, okay? So Luke Luke was a physician, 
an eye for detail in his accounts, he, he, he happens to notice it's the right ear. <laughs> it's the right ear. Um, yeah, shall we cut off? Yeah. So anyway, also one of the other accounts talks about who it was that did the cutting, and it was, it was Jesus. Uh, it was Jesus, excuse me. It was Peter. I was reading my notes and speaking at the same time, and that's never a good thing. <laughs> uh, verse 51. Uh, but Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. He touched his ear and healed him. I just think this is incredible, right? So here we have an ear, all right? Um, it's at least severed, all right? So it's hanging off. Uh, the Greek would imply it's cut off. And Jesus touches it and heals him. So there, there's no mention of groveling around in the dirt to pick up the ear and put it back on. I mean, I just do you not think about this when you read this stuff? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, how, how does this work? So he touched his ear. So was it a creative miracle? Was there a new pinner, I think they might call it? That's what they call it on animals anyway, isn't it? Uh, this, this piece here, did that, that grow? And I just think, that's incredible. So Jesus is still working miracles. He went about preaching the gospel and healing people. That, that was his ministry for three, three and a half years. And he's not stopped yet. And church, he's not stopped yet. I just find it incredible. Creative miracles. I started looking for creative miracles online. Creative miracles. Tell me about creative miracles. So I read a, read a testimony about a baby that had been born with part of a heart. Um, and the doctors had done a, 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 I don't know the right words, echogram, echogram or something of the heart. They saw it was damaged. The mum was praying. The baby was, the baby had only just been born. The baby was in, um, obviously in, High, high, high care um, but anyway basically God worked a miracle before the operation was needed so, which was incredible uh, John 14 verse 12 says this most assuredly I say to you he who believes in me the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father most assuredly, okay, in the AV it says truly, truly. Jesus is basically saying, listen up, okay, look at me right now, pay attention. What I'm about to say to you is incredibly important. That, that's, what it, it, that's what Jesus was saying in the Greek. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, we qualify. We qualify. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Fancy sticking somebody's ear back on? It's just like, it just blows, blows your mind, really, doesn't it? And greater works than these. Well, what does the greater mean? Does greater mean more incredible? Or does greater mean more of? Either way, you will do, because I go to my Father. Just in case... Um, we didn't get it. I, we don't, I don't have it on the slide. In Mark 16, it says, uh, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, in my name, in my name. And it says, you will lay hands on the sick. They will recover. So people don't see that every day. So that we then, have, we then try to shape our theology based on our experience. Okay, so some Christians say, what, Dave? It all died out with the apostles. Really? 
well, don't wake me up. Okay, because I've seen some things. Okay, I've seen, there was a lady, um, church, Sunoza ran this church. Lady came up, um, she had a back problem. And her problem was that one leg was shorter than the other. So she had like a, an insult. And um, so me and a, another guy, um, we went to pray for the lady. And I just found myself saying to the lady, I said, she's quite a tall lady. I said, I said, what do you want to happen? Do you want God to grow your leg, the, the shorter one, or do you want God to shorten the long one? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> anyway, she said, I'd like God to grow the longer one, please. So we anointed her with oil. There was no lightning. Nothing happened. She had an, in, uh, an insole, uh, a thing in her shoe, which jacked her leg up, basically. And over three days, she found that she could remove that. And she was fine. She didn't have any back pain after that. She was absolutely fine. So don't wake me up, all right? But, you know, there, there's situations I'm in. You pray for people, and it doesn't seem to happen. So what do we do with that? Well, we've got to be honest with ourselves, okay? That's not what Scripture teaches. That Let's not mold our theology based on our experience let's base, mold our experience based on our theology and say Lord I've seen some success okay what about this situation or what about that situation and let's have an expectation that God wants to move because if, if I say to you it is always God's will to heal every time and if I pray for you God will heal you if I say that it will raise confidence in you now I'm not lying because that's what scripture says but if I say to you, well, you know, it all depends. I mean, God might get out his anointing gun today or not. You're going to be sat there thinking, I'm not even going to bother. Because it might not happen. So I can say, according to the word of God, it is always God's desire to heal. Ah, well, Dave. Now, come on, let, let's, let's just work through this one a minute. Okay. Do you genuinely believe that it's not always God's will to heal. Because if that's the case, why are you sick? Okay. Oh, well, God, God's trying to teach me something, Dave. Oh, okay, that's cool. So have you been to the doctor? Well, of course I have. So if God's trying to teach you something in the sickness, why are you trying to get rid of it? I mean, it's, it's nuts, isn't it? When we, when we use our brains, it, it, it's crazy stuff. And yet, that's what people will say to me. It is always God's desire to heal. Always. We don't always see it. I acknowledge that. I'm not stupid. But we have to grapple with those situations with God and the word of God and raise our expectation to see what God wants us to see. The world's sick and dying and we have the answer in our hands and we find it so hard. One last thing, I just want to talk about, I don't know why I wanted to share this, but I just, I just want to talk about people losing their healing, okay? Now, Sue won't mind me sharing this, I'm quite sure of that. That's my Sue there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <coughs> yeah, that's right. Hug coming up, hug warning. So, years ago, Sue had a problem with her knee, um, and we went to a little gospel hall, and there was this incredible place it was but it could only take about 100 people there's probably 150 people in this place it was absolutely packed to go and um and uh the 
guy operated, he, that, that there's, all of us are called to pray for the sick, okay? You lay hands on the sick, they will recover. There are specific gifts given to the church as well. So there's gifts of healing, gift of faith. And I think this guy definitely moved in gift of healing. And uh, he prayed for Sue's knee. And you can talk to her afterwards about it. She said that she physically felt something moving up and down through her, through her leg. A physical experience. Um, do something you couldn't do before. She couldn't sort of sit back on her legs, which she did. So she got up, left the meeting, healed. Okay. Next day, it was gone. All right. It went in the car. It went in the car on the way home. Uh, driving home. <laughs> so, why? Okay, why are you sharing this, Dave? Because I think it's relevant for somebody. Okay, whether it's somebody here or somebody watching online or somebody in the future that's going to be listening. Okay, no foundation of the word concerning healing in the heart. Okay, if, if you're saved, okay, and you, you come up to me and you say, Dave, I don't feel saved. I say, well, what does the word say? Or you say, Satan's been whispering in my ear that I'm not really saved. I'll say to you, well, what does the word say? Okay? So you throw the word at the devil. And you say, well, no. The word says that I am saved because I prayed this prayer. And it says, you know, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're saved. So I'm saved, devil. So clear off out of here in the name of Jesus. Okay? And we resist the devil. Okay? But with sickness, it comes knocking on the door and you think... Well, guys, prayer couldn't have been strong enough. No, no, foundation in the word, foundation in the word. So when it comes knocking on your door again, you say, hang on a minute, wait a minute, I've been prayed for, I'm healed. God's word says, by his stripes, I'm healed. This isn't for me, I'm resisting the devil. I'm drawing nigh unto God. And he will flee from you. So. Which I didn't. Yes. Yes, for those of you that didn't hear what Sue said, which she didn't hear. Yeah. That's a lesson that we learned. Okay, that's a lesson we learned. So think of, think of, try to draw the parallel. When you're thinking about healing, think about salvation because it's all part of the atonement anyway. So what are the principles that apply when we talk about salvation? It's the same about healing. The challenge for us is because it's in this physical realm. Okay, yeah, good stuff. So, we must, yeah, Acts 10, 38. Let's, let me just read that one. Um, Luke writing in Acts. We're going to be going through Acts. Uh, we, we won't be starting it straight after Luke. I hasten to add, but we will be going through Acts. Uh, 1038, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So if there was any doubt in your mind as the the source of sickness because, I mean, Luke didn't write went about doing good and healing all that were blessed of the Father, did he? He says went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Okay, cool. Right, so when we read, going back, we're in the garden, okay? Just had the sword come out, ear go back on. Now, in Matthew's account um, of this same event, Jesus talks about what could have, what resources he could call on 
to compensate with the situation that he found himself in. Uh, in Matthew 25, it says this, um, or do you think, this is Jesus speaking, that I cannot now pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? Okay, so a legion is a legion's uh, th- uh, 12,000, isn't it? Yeah. So 12 legions, no, 6,000, sorry, a legion is 6,000. 12 legions is 72,000. So Jesus could have called, he, he had at his disposal 72,000 angels. 72,000, okay. You can look in the Old Testament, I think there's one angel dealing with like 180,000 or something. I mean, <laughs> Jesus did not have to go through with this if he didn't want to. But praise God he did. For us, the plan was different. The plan was for Jesus to go through with it. Verse 52 of Luke 22. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains and temple and the elders who had come to him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. So Jesus is now submitting himself to Satan's attack. Okay, so Satan's basically moving through these people because they want to kill him. Basically, they just want to kill him. Satan wants to destroy him. And Jesus is yielding himself. Um, uh, What does it say that? John 10. In John 10, he says this. Uh, This is verse 17 and 18. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So Jesus is now yielding to this attack of the enemy. Um, and, you know, it's for other people to look at him being beaten and crucified. But that was redemptive suffering, as I would call it. It was all part, he was doing that as part of the atonement. Okay? So for us as Christians, we are not taught to lie down and take it from the devil. Okay, when the devil comes knocking on our door. So, James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, as I said, Jesus was not resisting at this point because he was submitting as part of the atonement and all that stuff he was about to buy for us. Incredible. James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay? It's what we, why we have the armor of God. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on that armor to stand. We put on the armor to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians 4.27 says, give no place to the devil. Okay, give no place. Don't let him in. Don't give him breathing space. Hallelujah. So we, we are different because for these few hours, Jesus is about to take it all. A, a divine exchange is about to take place. Oh, I'm stealing from somebody else's message. <laughs> Can't preach that, Dave. (laughs) In a future episode. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Praise God.
Um, oops. So finally, I've, I've read this passage a couple of times before now. It's, uh, it, it's just so good. Just so that we really truly understand what's going on from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. So the disciples had no clue, all right, that Jesus was going to do this. That They thought it was all about to kick off. They thought, right, this is it. This is the fulfillment of Zechariah. Uh, Jesus is going to stamp his foot now on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is going to split in two. Uh, Messiah's come. Okay, that, that was a prophecy concerning the future of Messiah. And kick out the Romans. But that wasn't what was happening. It was a mystery that was hidden in God. So it was in the Old Testament. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. But uh, it was a mystery hidden in God. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And it's talking about spiritual rulers. The spiritual rulers, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. A mystery hidden in God. But praise God, praise God Jesus went through with that. And it's one reason. Um, I love reading books on time travel. What's that got to do with anything, Dave? <laughs> one reason why I believe time, moving back in time is impossible is because if it was possible, Satan would stop the crucifixion and the resurrection. So it must be impossible. Because, right, yeah. Okay, praise God. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank and praise you for your goodness. Lord, just thank you for Jesus. Thank you for him being obedient to you, even the death of a cross. And Lord, thank you for everything that that's bought for us, Lord. Freedom from sin, uh, freedom from sickness, freedom from shame, um, freedom from um, betrayal, um, Lord, just freedom in so many different ways from isolation, loneliness, Lord. Just uh, bought us peace, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, for all that you've won for us on the cross. And Lord, we just rejoice in that. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus was obedient. You demonstrated your love toward us. And while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, help us. Help each one of us. Lord, help us to work out all that you have for us, Lord. All that you have for us and for those around us, uh, individually and corporately, Lord. Help us to see more and more of your victory in our lives, with our eyes, Lord. Uh, In those in our lives and in the lives of those around us, Lord, that we would see more of this reality that is so evident in your word. And we just praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.